Alright, are you ready for this? We're ready. Alright, let's do this. Let's do it. Alright. Welcome everyone. This is our first podcast, Killinois Podcast. With Bird and Cam. And hopefully most of you guys saw our um, continuous Facebook posts. So this this shit's going to be good. Alright, so let's just talk about first why we want wanted to get into podcasting. You've been on, you're on a roll, so why don't you go Oh man, okay. Soon. Well, if anyone knows me, I love murder, and I'm pretty much obsessed with anything that has to do with murder, and people talking, and I talk forever and ever, so that's pretty much my story. So, and I went to college where I met Birdman, and we both were studying journalism. So, coincidence? I think not. No, ma'am. You know, it's kind of crazy for me, like, I remember when I was young, uh, like I was four or five, like my mom would watch nothing but like Matlock and Law and Order, and I guess it just you know like like mother like son. And as you know, we had cable, we had Investigation Discovery, and then there were shows like Dexter and like The Wire, and like it really kind of had like that true crime bug ticking. And like um, a couple of months ago, I got like my Hulu. And the first thing I saw was Unsolved Mysteries. Now, like, again, Unsolved Mysteries, I don't think I I mentioned that when when my mom loved, but she, it scared the absolute shit out of me. I don't know what it was for you. Me too. (laughs) I had a nightmare a panda took over. Oh my God, I had a nightmare that the host Robert Stack would come out of the TV and start chasing me like he was like a tickled oh. serial killer. I wouldn't like, mind him coming after me, but <laughs> in that well, he was in his eighties, so like <laughs> that's true. But that trench coat scared me a little. Oh bit. my yeah. god! I mean, they were dude, weird. They were weird. Exactly. So I mean, getting back on the topic, you know, I started reconnecting it, and I would post, you know, uh, something on Snapchat. Hey, this is like reliving my childhood. And Cam looks upon it and say, "You know what? We need to do a podcast." And Let's I'm thinking, "Fucking do it." <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm going to keep it PG for the program, but, well, you know. But anyway. <laughs> she, I'm not. I'm not. She's it's not. not and I mean, like hey, that. like I said, we're just going to call in the middle of the ring, call the <laughs> shit as it flies. But anyway, she's like, let's do this podcast. So I'm like, you know what? Let's just do it. And, like, it just all came together organically. And here we are. We're about know, to do this podcast. Let's do it. We're about to do it. All right. So, actually, the greatest thing about this podcast, the first episode, When Love Kills been promoting it hopefully everyone's been watching it or looking for it whatever um but anyways the reason why we chose this case first is because it happened at our college yeah we knew knew this chick we knew this bitch and give like this guy like give give uh the the our people the people watching this give us an idea of like what uis was you know on campus living there well okay first off university of illinois springfield represent um, it was real when we went there. It was about five thousand students total in Springfield, Illinois. But there's about maybe a thousand to two thousand students on campus, and the rest were online. Um, so there was a very very small population for the freshman groups. So we all got along really really well. Most of the classes were about ten to fifteen people, so everyone really knew each other really really well. So anybody and everybody knew anything and everything about everybody. So, yeah, this is where this shit gets crazy because we started posting about this, what, three days ago? Three days ago. And we've had like four or five people be like, yo, we know this chick. We were in class with her. Yo, I'm the correctionals officer Mm -hmm. and I've seen this chick before. So, shit just gets crazy. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she hit it right on the nail. So, you ready want to start diving in this? Let's do it. But before we start, I there do want to say, um, we're just saying all these stories of what we've read. We're here to report. So, if we have any facts that may be inaccurate, or if you have anything you want to add to any of our stories, please let us know. You can contact us at KillinoisPodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you guys have any crazy stories about Illinois, which is, if nobody knows it, it's Illinois. Um, if you want to emphasize yes, go for it. Kind of drives me crazy, but that's fine. Um, but yes, anyways, our main focus on this podcast is murders in the six highest murder state the prairie state well, you really did your research on this shit our, our ogs <laughs> well i just googled it so of 2016 hopefully that's a correct fact thank you internet right and we really want to reiterate that you know this is a very sensitive subject matter so you know we don't we intend to especially me as a reporter you know we really want to be as transparent and like right to the facts and we don't want to you know inadvertently offend whether it's the victim or you know the podcast uh the prosecution if you will you know so we're really trying to make it as, as transparent as factual as possible so with that further ado let's get in this all shit, right buddy. let's do this thing and i'm sorry for the vulgarity if no one likes it then you know whatever Fuck off. um a for effort right thank yeah. you <laughs> a for effort f for failure is what i always say hey. um so what we're starting with are the mccasters um, our main focus is actually going to be Jatasha Denton, who we both went to UIS for, uh, or with, for, ugh, um, with. Uh, she was born in 1990, and she was actually born in the south side of Chicago. South side? Um, so if anyone knows about the south side of Chicago, it's, um, well, so, so I just for you let me <laughs> Birdman, if you want to explain it. Well, if you will, baby. <laughs> uh, you know, the thing about, like... As you see, you guys know, like, with the media perception of what you see in, you know, in the South South Chicago as one being a very crime-infested, very dangerous, you know, area. And, again, there is a lot of element of truth towards that. But, you know, as, again, as we see in the case of Dutasa Denton-McCaster, you know, she's described as a quiet, smart, studious, straight-A student who's musically gifted who played the piano. And, like, based off of that right there, Cam, especially when we're talking about the environment at the South Side of Chicago... This comes off as like a normal, average, all-American girl from a close-knit, hard-working family. That's true. And again, um, she was known at UIS for being in high honors and being on the honor roll. But most importantly, being, well, she loved her religion. She loved the church. And she definitely mentioned in the class we were together in that she loved her family and the fact that her father was a part of the military. Mm-hmm. So this is where it gets a little crazy. Um, like you said, she is an all-American girl, and just like her defense attorney stated, is well, n- not a lot of people knew this was going to come from a girl like this. Right. Um, but where she met the love of her life, you would say, was Norman Raymel McCaster. Yes, sir. Oh um, my God, I'm so terrible, <laughs> ma'am. You, you're just so beautiful and so radiating. So, pardon that, guys. Let's go. Oh my goodness gracious, I don't even know what we're talking about now. So no, we uh, it was there in Chicago, and really her freshman year of high school, and again, she reads, meets Norman McHale McCaster, who would be her future husband. Now, it's kind of like an inverse from Jutasha, in the sense of he comes from a rough family background where his father was a noted drug dealer. But despite that, you know, Norman kind of, you know, comes above this background, and he's described as an outgoing, affable, you know, man who's an accomplished athlete. 
pretty much not a lot of people had a lot of bad things to say about Norman. Yeah, and he just and comes out. My bad, the cut Oh, no, dude, and, you go. And he just comes off as a really salt-of-the-earth guy, you know. So. I'd have a beer with him, pretty much. But I never got to meet him. Um, however, from what I heard, Jatasha, again, was a very smart student. She did what she wanted to do, and she had a drive to do it and succeed. Now, that being said, is she maybe she wanted everything she begged for maybe she got everything she uh -huh. begged for that being said she wanted Norman right and while they're in high school they're pretty much an on and off again couple as uh, Norman was a noted and somebody just messaged I don't know if it was me or you but whatever it was come on right along and Norman was a noted ladies man and that really kind of if we're uh, if we see Jahasa as just a down-to-earth you know, sweet, you know, all-American average woman, like, who believes in just monogamy, that's not something she's going to vibe with, so they, you know, drifted apart. Now, they do, when she gets accepted to the University of Illinois Springfield, which UIS. we are proud alumni of, it alters Norman's path as he finds himself in nearby Lincoln, Illinois. Which is roughly about 30 minutes away, so it really wasn't a drive. Um, but the best part about Norman is he becomes the accomplished high school athlete, especially in wrestling. Um, he earns a college scholarship. Um, how, however, like many people, I don't know about you, but we've all had our party stages. Um, the scholarship was voided after an incident where Norman may or may not have gotten arrested uh, for underage drinking. Now, this kind of sort of really a lot uh, alters Norman's path. And so after that, he decided just to join the National Guard, which again was a blessing in disguise because he got back on the right path again. Um, pretty much being drug tested almost monthly. Yeah, and, and that will serve pretty crucial as we get on to this case, but again, continue. But back to this love story. Um, around this time, Norman joined the National Guard. Um, Jatasha started at UIS, which we said is in Springfield, Illinois. And this is when the couple get back together. It's pretty cute because they are, they are high school sweethearts. Um, quickly after that, they get married on October uh, 26, 2010. And she settles into her life, uh, Jatasha, as a college student. She joins the church's choir. Um, while Norman, on top of him serving in the National Guard, he offered his free time as a volunteer wrestling coach at a high school in Springfield. And again, it just from the looks of it, it just seems like a stabilized, just salt of the earth couple. Like you would never just picture out of the blue. And now we fast forward to October 29th, 2012, in Mechanicsburg, Illinois, which is just east of Springfield. Five miles, ten miles. I don't know. Not you, too bad. You know. <laughs> but it's October, which only means one thing: it's hunting season. Oh, or Halloween parties in college. <laughs> Yeah, this girl but it's a hunting season in those neck of the woods so while this is happening uh two hunters are at a nearby creek looking for deer and they stumble upon to what they think is a dead hog but when the men come closer they find it's an actual torso and just a torso just a torso and i and i preface this saying i hope you guys have either ate or don't plan to eat but there is no legs, no arms, no head, and it makes you wonder, like, 
what the fuck is this? Dexter's Cornfield Edition? If I ever saw that shit, my ass would be on the fucking opposite side of the state. <laughs> but what they did notice after they called the police and the detectives is there was quite a lot of blood on that guardrail. And they found an extension cord around just this torso. Um, pretty much, it was pretty easy to determine by police detectives that there were two things. One, that the body was dumped here. And two, this had to be planned. Evidence shows that the crime of this nature had to be at least more than one person. This was a pretty big freaking torso. So there had to be more than one person involved. But other than that, this begins a puzzling, puzzling search for the police to find out who this is. And Wine seems like they're grasping at the straws. And like, the, obviously as we said, the, the police with no, with no head and no dental records or no hand or arms, they can't get fingerprints. They can't get dental, again, dental records. And it's like, we get the idea like, you know, the person who's done this, that's, they, they, they kind of have an idea of what they know what they're doing, right? This person seems a little pissed off. Just a titty bit. Just a titty bit. Just a titty bit. Now, the coroner eventually performs an autopsy on the corpse, which is now labeled a John Doe. And when that report is finished, it shows that obviously they're with no head there no, or no arms, no legs. There are no gunshot wounds on the remains, no knife stabs or any cuts or bruises post-mortem. But a subsequent toxicology, and we'll leave this little nugget um, they do miss something, so I want you to keep that in mind, guys, as we go along with the story. I have two things, though. First off, imagine if that person was alive. Oh! Fuck that. Second <laughs> off, what's crazy about this crime is when the investigators started looking at the actual scene where the torso was and the guardrail, mm -hmm. they noticed a lot of napkins, almost as somebody was trying to clean it up. Yeah. I don't know why. Um, I'm not really sure why they didn't pick it up after them. I don't know. I don't commit crimes like that. Um, so it was a little weird for them. But speaking of the postmortem, um, a subsequent toxicology test was performed. And what was discovered is there's no drugs, no alcohol. But there was one thing they missed. And it would be proven to be crucial later. So hold your hold your guns guys because this is important Ariator, like we really want to beat this in your head like this is very crucial so while this again this looks on the surface as a perfect murder but there's one tiny piece of evidence left in the crime scene in the form of a walmart receipt it was around, it was around the napkins uh, and three very vital things about this receipt guys it, it comes out the number one there's a timestamp on it just four days before the discovery of this dismembered corpse. Dun, 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 dun. Number two, what the receipt shows, among other items bought, was a reciprocating saw. Yeah, that was, I was waiting for the dun, dun, dun. Deal, they said no power tools. <laughs> <laughs> and number three, probably most important, that it was purchased with a credit card. So what the security camera reveals are that the items are purchased by what seems as a, not it seems, what it is, a young African-American female, which is close to midnight, and the credit card information eventually matched to Jatosta McCaster. The perfect person, seemingly. So, the best part about this is for the next few weeks, the police tail McCaster, and they want to see if they can find more information, and they want to see if she really is the prime suspect. Um, 
especially because there's a dismemberment in a seemingly safe area. And it appears as if she's an ordinary busybody going on if there's no care in the world. And one thing that um, the police described is during, while they were telling her, she was still going to classes in UIS. And as Cam alluded to in the beginning, she was a classmate of Natasha as this was going on. So, Cam, I mean, can you remember like how she was as a classmate or like the craziest thing about Jatasha is I had her in an acting class we both came in this was a gen ed we all had to take it um, now the fun story about this acting class is there's about 10 to 15 people there a couple of people dropped off so it got smaller so everyone was very very close and personal what I remember about Jatasha is she never swore she was about the Lord. She was very, very passionate about pursuing her education. And more importantly, she hated to swear, which I don't know if anybody's noticed. I fucking love it. So um, her and I got along great. For some reason, a lot of people like me. Um, she would always walk. Um, I don't mean to be arrogant in that sense. But anyways, uh, she would always walk me to my car. She would always ask to hang out. And the fun thing was we are Eh, I'd say opposite. She was a very much homebody, didn't drink, didn't party, didn't go out, didn't really, you know, socialize. She stayed home with her family. She said her father was part of the military, so she was really a part of that. I was more of a partier. I like to go out. I like to drink. Well, I like to have truth. a good time. <laughs> <laughs> so I let her know if, you know, she ever wanted to drink, I was her girl. Well, then I found out she had a military ball with her father same weekend shit goes down just ridiculous and police also check for her garbage during this time and they find nothing out of line i mean just again it goes to that narrative of just a normal busybody who just keeps to herself a church going law-abiding citizen but on one such dump they find a list of cut up identification cards and credit cards and even all uh, military apparel oh shit and those are shown to be that of Norman McCaster now as he is in the National Guard this gives police the idea to check in with his unit but the National Guard tells authorities during that questioning that Norman was not at the October 25th drill and that's when she was said she was at the military ball and and it's really out of the ordinary according to a supervisor because he describes Norman as a soldier soldier. He would never miss mandatory drill time. He was very dedicated to, you know, where he His was job. working. Yeah. Yeah. His co-workers said they could not think of one ill thing about Norman. Mm -hmm. He woke up every morning, was there on time, did his job, did it with a freaking smile every day. And in, in addition, uh, he worked at a temp agency in Springfield and the supervisors echoed that statement. And they told him that, you know, he never missed work. He was very mm -hmm. dedicated to his job. But when uh, they had worked that, uh, on October 29th, he was nowhere to be found. Now, going back to that National Car questioning, the supervisors tell the police that they keep DNA samples of everyone who works there. So, of course, they're going to have DNA samples of Norman. And then the DNA sample provided by Norman was extracted and sent by the Department of Defense, where it was compared to DNA found with John Doe. And of course, there's a match. So all in all, the John Doe is that of Norman McCaster. Norman McCaster only has a torso left. So pretty, yeah. And I mean, just to to really ring that home, like this is a very, very vicious, you know. 
I don't think they've even found his other limbs. They've yet. never, they've never found his head, arms, or legs and to this day. I mean, honestly, I may or may not have gone wandering around Springfield, Illinois, and I couldn't find shit. Hey, hey, that's what you call liquor courage. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you have a woman in Jatasha McCaster who is the prime suspect of a missing case, and then. You have her husband, who has just been revealed to, you know, according to where he works at, to be missing. So it seems like, unfortunately for Natasha, the stars are aligning that this perfect murder might be unraveling. True, but what's crazy about it is ever since Birdman and I have been talking about this podcast online, we've had students who've also been in the same class as her. And all she would rant and rave about was her husband. But which is weird in our acting class she never spoke of a husband mm-hmm. so what gets me is she's supposed to love her husband why would she do this yeah and when the family is of Norman McCaster is questioned by police and they are they were told uh, and the Chicago's like they were very it was very vague details and said you know we need you to come down this in, in, in involving Norman and they were not, like I said, they did not tell him until they got to Springfield. And the father of Norman, you know, when he was told upon that his son had died, said, I want to see his body. And they told him it's probably best not to see that. And just to go, and then they go to the gruesome details of their son's death. Would so, you see his body? Uh, I wouldn't. If I was, if, I, if I'm in his shoes, it's just, it's a, you know, it's a horrible, harrowing situation that nobody should ever ever go through huh i don't know oh boy that shit would be crazy wouldn't it though (laughs) (laughs) sorry sorry but like really like i mean i've I've never had kids i have fur babies but like i would never want to see that torso but like at the same time that's my motherfucking kid Mm -hmm. and and there's that sense of closure exactly To, to to know it really is your kid that you really get to say goodbye granted it's just a torso mm-hmm. um which i don't mean to be insulting i don't know if that is i've never had kids i don't right. know um but anyways this all leads back to jatasha um the family is questioned by the police um and they allege that jatasha told them that norman had just ran away just picked up his shit and left and she claims it was with local drug dealers and he was just done he's ready to continue doing his drugs and he eventually left and she seemed to tell everyone that Norman was a heavy drug user. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. Again, he's part of the National Guard, where you continuously get drug tested. And guess what happened? All the previous tests showed there were no drugs in his system. How does that work? What a novel concept. Man, if I knew how to do that. Just kidding. I'm clean. <laughs> I'm but clean. With armed with a story of tension within the family added with physical evidence this all leads to november 26 2012 now what's crazy about this time is again her and i were in an acting class Mm -hmm. and this was pretty much towards the end of our semester so it was pretty much our final assignment and this again this acting class apparently to succeed in acting you have to be very very personal with people hold on a second my dog's crying come here come on okay dougie dougie sorry sitting on my lap right now Anyways, um, with this acting class, um, I've learned now that I'm older, is you have to get personal with your partner 
to really understand one another and work well with one another. Now, our teacher at this time definitely encouraged us to tell our partner a deep, dark secret. Well, I found out that Jatasha told her partner that she was not, in fact, living with her father. She was married. She was embarrassed by this because she was so young. She was 22, so for some people, that's not really too young. Um, 12 might be young. Um, but anyways, during this time on November 26th, she was actually on the phone with her her acting partner, and they were going through their lines, and she had to hang up the phone because there was a knock on her door. And guess who it was? Guess who it was? Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come through? It was the cops. I don't know if you guys caught on, but it's the cops. Um, and they definitely felt like, based off of all the information and evidence that they collected, that they had enough to convict Jatasha. But what they not get ahead of herself because they, you know, they the game plan with the cops was to tell her that Norman was not dead, but that he was missing, and they were obviously hoping to catch Tasha off guard. And it works to the degree because she willingly goes to the local sheriff's office for formal questioning, and it's there that she relays the same story that she tells Norman's family that he's using drugs and he's drinking alcohol in enormous amounts and that he's hanging out with a bad crowd and he eventually walks out on her taking his all of his belongs with him but of course the cops bullshit detector is really gathering some strong sense for the Tasha story the best part is why would you leave a job you love um so what they pretty much indicated with Jatasha's story is she's a fucking liar mm -hmm. um and they pretty much explained to her that they knew the whole case and everything that was going on, that she was the one that murdered Norman. Which is funny because then she pulls up an abuse situation, that Norman was abusive. There was no records of that, that we could find at least. Exactly. Um, but back to what we were saying. And um, before we get on that, like, if one thing that's very, that was very telling to me in researching the story is that throughout this interview, Jutasa is very calm as if, you know, she is a, just described as she's a material witness in something that is just, you know, just something she just saw. Like, this is not involving her husband, the supposed love that for her That she was a witness. That is missing. Exactly. And remember, she was about love. They had a very tumultuous relationship. Mm -hmm. They were on and off. They were high school sweethearts. They were meant to be. Or exactly. so we thought. Exactly. Um, and the craziest part about Jatasha is, like you were saying, she was very calm, but... I knew her as a soft-spoken, almost a high-pitched voice kind of kind of gal. Yeah. We were watching Snapped, Women Murderers. Don't know if you watch it. Phenomenal. Um, but she's on it, and there's a scene where she goes from that sweet, innocent voice to just cold and killer. Like, I, I can't even explain it. I jumped up and freaked out. It was crazy. But what I was trying to get back with her is... She tried a hundred different ways to explain why she didn't do anything and she was innocent. She extremely included. She was a very church-going body. Mm -hmm. She explained her high honors and her her future that she wanted. And so why would she kill someone like that? Yeah. Especially the man she loved. And it's right there when police... When she knows she's, she's got caught dead to rights and she replies simply in just a calm demeanor... I want a lawyer, and right there she's placed under arrest for first-degree murder, obstruction of justice, 
dismemberment of a body, and concealing a dead corpse. That's a lot of shit. Yeah, and like one more interesting tidbit here uh, that we failed to mention, but it really just kind of hits home of just this really internal dysfunction. In the initial meeting of police at Jutasa's house, police saw a calendar in their kitchen where their anniversary, October 26th, it was two years they were married, it was blacking out, and according to one of the detectives in subsequent TV interviews, such as Snap and Crime, Crime Watch Daily, Tutasha, they believed that Tutasha blacked it out because she knew that Norman was not going to live to see that anniversary. Or, or, or crazy thought, uh-oh, what if she killed him on their anniversary? Oh! Dun, dun, dun! Yeah, we really that could be the ask. death day. That could be like D-Day of Norman's life. Oh, oh, in Normandy, I see what you were exactly. trying to do. Exactly, I mean, like, not as yeah. graphic and crazy, because that shit was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, like, Norman's not going to see the next day. Yeah. Shit goes down that night. And so, I bet you it's that night. That's how she probably... Maybe so, and like we never, you know, you we never know because it was never again. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but we would. Um, there was never determined to be a definitive cause of death because of the head and the arms and legs were never found. But police obtained the computer by Tasha after running a search warrant on her home, and what they found on that Google machine, going back to June of that year, where the searches. How to kill a spouse and how to kill someone with Visine. And mind you, we started school in what, August? Oh. Which means she was in my motherfucking class in August already planning yeah. this. So, what's even crazier about this is remember when we originally mentioned that the original medical examiner missed the Visine in the initial toxology? Obviously, advising eye drops are used to combat dry, red, itchy, and watery eyes. And that quick plug sounds like we're trying to get them to sponsor us or something. Which, hey, you know, let's do, we need the money all we can. So I mean, if you want to, you know, support us, you can. And that would be great if you want to, you know, help us out. I love Izine. I use them all the time. <coughs> I don't know what that means. Um, but any Hoover, um, pretty much what these Visines were used for Norman was... To kill him. To knock him unconscious. So what they did with that torso they still had is they performed another toxology on it. Where they then determined that there were lethal amounts of Visines in Norman's liver. Now I don't know if you've seen those movies where you can put Visines in drinks and people shit their brains out. No. Apparently you can kill But you know it reminds me since we talked about a vessel discovery. There was a, I don't know if you remember the show Deadly Woman. How they kill. Of course. And they had the, uh, shout out to FBI profiler, Candace DeLong, but they had, they, it was, it was cases where, you know, women would deliberately, well, as I said, deadly women, and, and women would deliberately, you know, put something in a drink or food, and, and over time that, you know, who they were sending it to, they would get sick and eventually, unfortunately, succumb to that. So, again, you know, now we're getting back been back to the a common woman tactic exactly so they finally go to trial on <laughs> march 26 2014 at the Sagamon county courthouse and that's downtown in springfield springfield we're not from there we just went to college there yeah yeah you know but with the evidence the receipt the internet search the vicine and the prosecution star witness a classmate of Tatasha's who testified that Tatasha asked him if he could, she could borrow a gun. 
Which he... I believe, what is it called? A Rugger 360-360 to be exact? Indeed, indeed. Did I say that right? Close. And he gives it to her. Which is... First off, who just gives a freaking gun to someone? Hey, can I borrow you a gun real fast? Yeah, sure. Well, maybe it's because it's downtown, it's downstate's Illinois, and, you know, we don't know how these things work, but, I mean, that's who who are us to judge? He gives it to her, and it's returned a day later, where he determines that two bullets are missing. Two. Two. Where are those two? You never know, and that means since the head, arms, and legs were never found, it's implied that Tasha shot Norman twice in either of those region, regions, most likely the head. And what's crazy about it is, again, she used Visine. So what we don't know, and yeah. what only Norman and her know is, did the Visine work? Did she run to him unconscious and then she shot him? Did it not work? Did he try to fight her? Did she shoot him? I don't know. It's crazy. That's my in-depth thought I was trying to think. And because of... Because that Norman's over 200 pounds, it's kind of accessible for Natasha with all the equipment. And one thing that they show um, was a, and I believe it was in Snap, but it was, uh, Natasha went to another store that night. And, oh, oh my lord, my fault. He's super popular. It's quite annoying. Yeah, you know, it comes with the territory. It's a gift and a curse. But she goes to a neighboring store where she's looking for... One of the pulleys where, you know, you try to pick up uh, oh, dirt. Shit. Yeah, and un- unfortunately, that credit, the credit card uh, purchase on it was declined. God damn. Yeah. And what's even crazier about all of this is when she was in court, the, the defense attorney argues that, which there's some element to truth, there's no viable motive, like no mm. outright mental, physical abuse, even though she's mentioned it before. Um, whoops. There's no crime of passion, nothing concrete. And additionally, they claim that Jatasha, who was fed up with Norman's alcohol and drug use, if you can't see me, I'm doing the quotation marks with my fingers, um, she was fed up and she kicked him out of the house on October 24th. But what's crazy about that and to counter that argument is the prosecution calls Norman's squad leader, who reveals that Norman passed all his drug tests, mm-hmm. preceding his disappearance, and you know you get drug tested to be in the National Guard. Yeah. And what's even crazier, back to us, coming from UIS where Jatasha went to school, is a lot of people weren't in her class. I had a buddy who was friends with Norman, and mm-hmm. he actually confided in me and told me that, or told me, excuse me, Liquid Courage again, um, well, Norman was having an affair with someone else, going yeah. back to his lady, lady, lady-like mm-hmm. tactic. Now, tactic. obviously, Whoa. you know, we stress that this is, this can't be confirmed. You know, this is nothing but rumor and innuendo. But, you know, when you have something as, is, you know, as pivotal as that, that can, you know, some people, every person is stretched to their limit. And they could, you know, lash out in any given notice, especially something like that. If we're talking about somebody with the same the personality that Jatasha possessed. And exactly. Everybody that I know that I've talked to that knew Jatasha said that she was very goal-driven, very soft-spoken. Mm-hmm. But other than our acting class, she told everybody about her husband. Right. Which, if you were proud of your husband, why wouldn't you tell everybody? Exactly. I'm not really sure. <coughs> so, Excuse me. <coughs> you're good. Oh, you're good. You're good, Candy B. So, I'm watching clips of this case, trying to, you know keep a transparent mind 
but especially in Snapped, uh, Jutasha's defense attorney was interviewed and reiterates what she had stated in the closing argument. And what she said was when asked about that saw being found in a receipt, she claimed that it was a gift for Jutasha's father. And concerning that receipt, it claimed it was deliberately placed there by someone who wanted to deliberately frame Jutasha. And that's, I just really... Which means someone took her receipt from her father's gift, killed her husband... And then put it there to frame it? Yeah, like, never mind. The receipt is drenched in blood. Bought just the day before Norma disappeared, and she's on camera. Yeah, I was going to say, video evidence. Unless someone's trying to frame her, it could have been a cutout of her. But to me, it just, it seemed to be way too convenient to be a coincidence. It's far too coincidental, and there's no such thing as coincidence. Well, Mm -hmm. that's from a movie. I'm not sure which one it is, but those are cool. So, on uh, April 1st, 2014, the jury goes to deliberation for seven hours. And according to the defense attorney, she feels optimistic because, as conventional wisdom dictates, the longer the jury deliberates, the better the chances for acquittal. But not today. (laughs) Although Jatasha's defense attorney once again pled for a lesser charge... Because there's no record. She's a high honor student. She's all about her church. There was no dice for Jatasha Denton McAster. And she was convicted for first degree murder, obstruction of justice, dismemberment of a body, and concealment of his death. And that means on June 24th, she was sent into a total of 78 years, bitch. Oh, and she's currently serving time in a Logan Correctional Center in Lincoln, which is about... 30, mi- 30 minutes outside of Illinois, of Springfield, Illinois. Should be in Illinois, good lord, Alex. <laughs> what? She will be eligible parole in 2079, which she turns 89. So, in that sense, she's going to be there for the rest of her life. And, you know. And if she makes it out to see the day, good for her. But at the same time, why? Yeah. And, and oh, go, you, you go. go. Okay. And, and, oh, I got. we're just going this on the fly so like first run but you know really as you know doing the research and watching and you know grasping everything it's just a very heartbreaking case because we again as the defense pointed out and the, the prosecution wasn't able to I guess effectively counter there was never a motive so we don't know why she snapped Unless there really was an affair, which, again, could crazily happen. Mm -hmm. But we're not trying to get people in trouble when it could be a rumor. But what's funny about her being at this correctional facility Mm -hmm. is, once again, we know a lot of people around Springfield, which means 30 minutes outside of Springfield. We have a friend who's a correctional officer at that very jail she's at. And he explained to me, he actually runs into her quite a lot. And what's different about her in this jail, in this prison, is she swears like a motherfucker. Uh-oh. She fights like a crazy bitch. Hi. And she's been in segregation, and she knows she's not getting out anytime soon. And she protests if she needs to protest. That, that time was her message. That time it was me. That was weird. But she protests. One time she got in a fight because she got she thought she got her commissionary stolen. Mm-hmm. And she, whatever she did, beat that girl's ass. The girl beat her ass. Hopefully... The girl did. They both ended up in segregation. Well, she forgot that she doesn't get anything in segregation, so she flooded the toilet. So It it seems like she's really not living her best life. And, you know, 
as you describe that, and it's obviously just a stark contrast of how you remember her as a classmate. So it begs the question in terms of uh, Kanan from the hit show Power. She did that shit. She's guilty as fuck. That's what I'm saying. But it's crazy. Is has she always been crazy? Mm-hmm. Did he set her across the line? Yeah. I don't. I don't fucking know. Was this all a joke? Is she a psychopath? Is she a sociopath? Is she a serial killer? We don't. We don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. And that right there, that is, you know, the Jatasta, Jatasha McCaster saga, you know, and in Springfield, Illinois, guys. And remember, this is going to be a this is a part, but two parter, where this is part one of murders that happened in UIS, but it's the second part, which we will be. Uh, recording and uploading very very soon so be on the lookout for that that concerns a murder that happened in 1985 when it was called Sacramento State University University of Illinois Springfield was not always there well, not until 96 but this like this is a very very crazy saga we're talking about mental illness stalking and I mean for over a decade and it just leads to a just a really, really sad, you know, uh, occasion. It looks like a dragon. So. Oh, that's the AC. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> but here's the craziest part. This isn't just about colleges in Illinois. This no. isn't just about, you know, crimes from Chicago. We're looking for any type of murder that you know of that you are close related to in Illinois. Again, I did my research in 2016. We're the top highest murder rate six top highest murder rate in the u.s so i know you guys have stories out there we would love to do the research we would love to talk about it we'd love to give you guys a shout out so email us at at podcast at gmail.com again if you can't spell killinois it's literally a k in front of illinois pretty much or you can reach us at the Illinois Facebook page, Illinois with Bird and Cam. Like our shit because we want to get big. Indeed. <laughs> Indubitably. <laughs> but where can I find you on your personal social media? If you guys want to hit me up on Instagram, I'm actually Instacam three or <laughs> Instacam. Whoops, I don't even know my numbers. It's Instacam. Six thirty. Six thirty. I'm from the six thirty dirty Glen Ellen. It's not really dirty. It's actually great. Yeah. Um, Look at those property tax values. <laughs> yeah. But if you guys want to hit me up on facebook i'm cammy ren so good luck finding me there bye (laughs) and you can find me on twitter with birdman for america you can find me 2020 there we Mm -hmm. go we're gonna beat trump but you can also find me on instagram on bird your enthusiasm and for my politically correct facebook page find it on alex camp so again thank you very much for supporting us you know by listening we really you guys do not know how much we really appreciate it it means the world to us and remember it's our first episode so we kind of sort of suck but it's only going to get better motherfuckers cheers so good i don't know what that means (laughs) you'll get it babe how was it good like